Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, where we talk about the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Uh, I'm uh, miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, follow really up. <laughs> follow up from the last episode. <clears throat> I caught the cold. <laughs> he could no longer dodge the rain of bullets. Nope. Nope. I couldn't matrix my way out of this one. No. Uh, and so my voice is a little weird. I, I considered, uh, saving my voice and just doing the whole thing kind of like this because. <laughs> Making I'm, this like a weird half ASMR video. Yeah. Cause I think it would be very appropriate because the movie we're doing is a quiet place, which is, uh, number four on the Rotten Tomatoes list, which mm. is surprising. We may have th- mm. some things to talk about there. <laughs> Um, have you seen this before? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I think, I think this is the third time I've watched oh, really? it. Yeah. I really like this one. Is, have you seen it? Did you see it in theaters? Yes, I did. Did the first, only the first time or the, more Only the first time. Mm. Yeah. Which I actually, I mean, we can get more into this kind of thing later, but seeing it in the theater, there were, there were pros and cons mm-hmm. and, and versus watching it at home. Yes, I yeah. agree. Uh, yeah. this is, I've, this is the second time I've seen this. I liked it a lot the first time I saw it. Mm. Um, I, you know, it's weird. I actually think I liked it a little bit more this time. Oh, really? Um, but for different reasons, mm. which we can get into. Uh, this, I do remember this having a fantastic trailer. Yes. Uh, which did a lot of heavy lifting for the concept. I mean, the concept is great. Um, and let's play that trailer and we'll be right back. Quiet Place from 2018, directed by John Krasinski, starring Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, Millicent Simmons, and mm-hmm. Noah Jupe. And Amanda, what happens in this movie? If they hear you, they hunt you. A family must live in silence to avoid mysterious creatures that hunt by sound. Knowing that even the slightest whisper or footstep can bring death, Evelyn and Lee are determined to find a way to protect their children while desperately searching for a way to fight back. And uh, we would say things you will find this movie include the always popular questionable parenting. Mm-hmm. Running theme. Uh, doomsday prepper Jim Halpert. Mm-hmm. Looks good with a beard. Monster assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. Good way to go. And exposition via gratuitous print newspapers. Yes. There were a lot of newspapers in this movie that takes place well after print was dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like remarkably yeah, out of place in terms of uh, yeah. the time period. And it's... Uh, so I think the interesting thing with this movie for me, we just uh, we had just watched a movie um, last week or so mm. called Hush, mm. which is on Netflix. It's by Mike Flanagan, the guy who did uh, Haunting of Hill House and um, Doctor Sleep. Yeah, and it's about a woman who is deaf. Oh, and is oh. in her house, and a home invader comes and tries to kill her, etc. And I think there's. Doing a movie where um, someone is deaf and that's like mm-hmm. the, because there's, there's been movies like that before where it's like, oh, you're blind. So mm-hmm. then, you know, the audience then can see the person who's in the house and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's difficult to sell that tension if it's a person who can't hear because for some reason to me, uh, it seems like they always equate not being able to hear mm-hmm. with also yourself being very quiet. And yeah. my thought was, wouldn't the person without the hearing make the most noise? You know, I I will I will push back on that ever so slightly as mm-hmm. as a um mi- minorly hearing impaired person myself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I often like get very like if I if I have, for instance, a head cold, mm-hmm. I can get very quiet sure. because my ears are blocked up and my my already limited hearing means I can't hear anything. So I just I get really quiet. Sure. So I, I can buy it. I, I, I agree that I think these sorts of movies do kind of put a little too much of an emphasis on that being like a common side effect of deafness is that you are all of a sudden a mime. Right. Um, which isn't true. But but I, I, I can it's always I, I'm willing I'm willing to kind of let it ride. Yeah, it's always it, I find it strange only because in like in this movie specifically, I feel like there's a lot of instances in which the girl who can't hear is yeah. walking and would have no concept of how much noise she's making yeah. while she's walking. Yeah, but that's just you know stupid little thing. Um, <laughs> I think these sorts of movies work really well. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's you know wh- whether when there's some sort of sense impairment. Yeah. It's always like an easy shot for tension. And I think this movie is very well done as far as that goes. Yeah. And I, and I think they do a good job of not uh, taking too much advantage of the uh, very, very quiet soundtrack. And, mm. and there's not too many jump scares. There's a few, yeah. but I don't think that there's so many that it becomes like cheesy or they, gratuitous. They actually, what I actually kind of like is they do silent jump scares. Mm-hmm. where what would generally be a jump scare they do through the point of view of the girl who can't hear anything yeah so they don't do the blant but the thing still comes out and is like behind her yep and it and it works really well that way yeah um i think uh i didn't realize you know i said i like this movie more this time mm-hmm. um i on first watch remembering feeling like there uh, there was a lot of small things that kind of bothered me about it as far as mm. like towards the end as far as you know uh um how things shake out with the monster and how they kill it and all that kind of stuff but th- this time for okay. some reason it none of that stuff bothered me because it was it's just really well put together and is the kind of movie that I really like mm-hmm. as far as horror movies go where they kind of there's a certain point where they start rolling a ball down a hill, yeah. and it just keeps going and going. Yeah, and, going and that and, going. and that point starts pretty quickly in this movie. Like like it's a tight ninety minutes. You yeah. know, it's not a long or bloated film. Mm. There's sort of that introductory sequence where the youngest uh, child, the little boy, gets you know the the rocket ship. And Great it, opening sequence. Yeah. Too. Oh man, like tragic and and really gets you emotionally invested in this family that you yeah. know nothing about like you're never given any they don't as, even say their names yeah they say it in um if you are like me and you have to set subtitles to everything anyway mm-hmm. they say uh john krasinski's character name lee like in the subtitles at some point it's like lee coughs or like you know what i mean he really but, yeah oh okay oh in the subtitles okay yes, yes. yes. yeah okay um no, but I was, I was, you know, for all the exposition that were delivered about the world and these monsters and, and kind of what's happened to the rest of civilization via uh, newspapers just being everywhere in this mm-hmm. small town, um, as much as, you know, that's kind of gratuitous, they don't give you that about the family. Nope. Like, you're never, you're never told, like, you know, how old are the kids? Yeah. You can kind of estimate. Yeah. But you the, don't really the know. The weirdest thing about this for me time-wise is this ta- this takes place in 2020 oh really yeah on the the son who dies the cross that they put up it says 2016 oh. to 2020 so the kid was only wow. four and they jump forward like six months or something like no, that. no they jump forward over a year over a year yeah it was yeah. like 400 something days yeah exactly uh so yeah the time i i think i love that the the time period they don't belabor yep. um there's very little dialogue yep uh, sign language counts as dialogue, but still, even then, it's not that much dialogue. Right. Um, and they do a, I, I actually think, I wonder if it was a studio note to put in as much information about the monsters as they did, mm. because those newspapers just seem so, that, that was the one thing that stood out where I was like, that's kind of late. That's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of critique where you, where you say in both film and like writing, you want to trust your audience. Sure. Like you want. To trust that they are smart enough that yeah. they will figure out, aha, <laughs> these it, monsters are attracted to sound, and that's why everyone's being really quiet. Yeah, and that whole setup he had in his bed, I found that whole basement setup 
fairly hilarious. The whiteboard is what the gets whiteboard. Me. Where the he's whiteboard like, is what is like, their weakness? Yeah, it's like survival. Yeah, question, question mark. mark? Yeah. Medical supplies. And it's like, really? Did you need to write it down like that? Weakness underlined twice, but hasn't. No, there's nothing leading off of uh, that. Right. Yeah. And I is. found his uh, his his home his homemade uh, cochlear implant setup very charming. Um, <laughs> Because yeah, it's yeah. it reminded me of like somebody's dad trying to build a cyborg in the basement <laughs> using only like the tools that you know n- normal household yeah. tools and like a book an Isaac Asimov book or something. <laughs> I went to the AC more and then I stopped by the Home Depot and yeah. this is what I found. Yeah. I wish. <clears throat> excuse me. I wish. I wish when he goes to her and is and he and he's like this time I tried stereo parts. I wish yeah. she was like. <laughs> Even I know this isn't going to work. Yeah. This isn't how these things work. <laughs> she kind work. of is like that, though. That's she true. just yeah. says it in fewer words. Yeah. Which um, you There's know, like, a reason that they didn't do this before yeah. when yes. stereos existed. Yes. We've had stereos much longer than we've yeah. had these high-tech cochlear implants. But it's, it, is, it is very charming. It's very endearing that he does it, too. And it yeah. makes me hate that girl. Really? Yeah. Because, first of all, she gets her brother killed. Does she, though? She she doesn't know that he took the batteries, and I would I would argue this goes to our point of questionable parenting. Yes, which is those two adult people walk out of that pharmacy at the beginning, or their or pharmacy or general store at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. without checking for any of their you know they they've got the little, the boy the middle child right. who's sick, um, they've got him, and they just like completely leave the other two yeah they just let them follow behind that's not yeah that is definitely not the best way to do it yeah they are the adults in this scenario yeah you should i would think you'd have one go for well we don't have to get into that but um yeah i don't know i kind of thought she was kind of a jerk to everybody she's Um, she's like a preteen girl though that's true that's like that's your job yeah i guess being a preteen girl and and being deaf in a world full of sound monsters is probably going to put you on edge i guess yeah especially when you're also then the one who's like dad take me with you I am brave, and was, I want to learn how to do these things. And he's like, no, 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 little lady. you got to yeah. stay home and help your that mother. Was, that was oddly, um, that, was a, that was a strange beat, that yeah. he would actively stop her from coming along, when the kid clearly yeah. didn't want to yeah, go. Yeah, that, that poor little boy is like completely traumatized. And, and anyway, um, yeah, that, that's, that's something that I, like I said, this is the third time I've watched this mm-hmm. movie, and I still am not clear on what the motivation is there. Like why he's so adamant, and and it, it it's it's it feels a little bit like a missed opportunity because mm-hmm. when he and the son are having that conversation by the waterfall, the the son asks him, "Why won't you let her come? Mm-hmm. She thinks you don't love her. Like why?" He he flat out asks him, "Why not?" Yeah, and uh, John Krasinski's character Lee, um, he doesn't really answer it. Right. And and I feel like he could have said something. Like they they could have given him some even small line where. Well, it's well like, I you know what I liked about that scene, and to kind of to jump back to what you're saying, mm. I think it's if I had to guess, it feels very script motivated to me because mm. because of what that scene is at the water with the waterfall, him showing that loud noises don't attract the things. You need to bring the kid who can hear. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like that's a difficult scene to do if the person you're telling it to can't hear anyway. That's true. That's a really good point. Um, and what I actually did like about that scene, uh, I mean, it was, it was a good scene in general, but mm-hmm. one of the, the tiny things I liked about it is it kind of subtly subverts something that I really don't like generally, which is, uh, and I'm not saying, well, I, I get, she, it wasn't her fault mm-hmm. that the brother got killed. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times in shows and movies like this, when it's clearly the person's fault, they still have a scene where they're like, it wasn't your fault. Yeah. And I'm always like, yeah, it was your fault. Your <laughs> actions directly caused this person's death. Right. They do that in The Walking Dead all the time. It drives me nuts. Oh, God. I can only imagine. Um, but what I liked about this is he goes, uh, "Do you?" the kid's like, do you blame her for the, the death? And he kind of yeah. pauses and he's, he doesn't immediately say no. Yeah. He just kind of says... It was nobody's fault. Like, so yeah. he probably does a little bit. Well, I, I think kind of the, the, the deep down, like the truth of it is that it was a little bit other, other than that, the son who was sick, mm-hmm. it was a little bit everybody's fault. Yeah, it was fault. kind of everybody's fault. And yeah. like, if it's everybody's fault, it's nobody's fault. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So, so I think it's, it's more of that kind of vibe. I do. I, I just really liked the, 
um, ambiguity of his response and yes. it not being just a comforting, oh, it was nobody's fault. He, yeah. There's definitely some conflict going on there, which well, I like. Yeah, and I, and I think it's much more, I mean, obviously we can only speculate on, uh, you know, w- whether or not that's a realistic kind of behavior and reaction in mm-hmm. a world like that. But But if you're kind of following the logic of these monsters kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. they've probably killed, you know, billions of people at that point yeah enough people where society doesn't exist anymore exactly and that that means that for them it's probably friends family members Mm -hmm. neighbors you know they've watched so many everybody else that they that they know and love they've watched them all die Mm -hmm. and they've watched all of civilization collapse around them and so yeah you're at that point you're gonna be either you're gonna give up or you're gonna be in survival mode Mm -hmm. which necessitates a certain level of like pragmatism and almost coldness and mm-hmm. i think john krasinski's character does a great job of that yeah where he is that willing you know he's not just like oh no of course not no yeah yeah it's not your fault at all no right. i don't want you to think that it's just sort of like well yeah it is a little bit like everybody needs to do better we all need to work harder to stay safe right and you and it and it i think you can draw a, a fairly direct yeah, I would say you can draw a fairly direct line from the death of the sun to how many fail-safes they have in place at the place they are now. Which is funny because I still feel like they could have more. Probably, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it is a little bit like, okay, I think it's safe to assume this has been going on for a minimum of two years. At least. Yeah, yeah, because by the time we see them on day 89 or whatever, they're pretty well established. Like mm-hmm. they've they've got a pretty despite the the little the little boy's death, which is is kind of a fluke in a weird way. They've got a pretty good system down. They've got the sand all laid out. Mm-hmm. They're all that must have taken forever, right? Where so... they get that sand from? <laughs> there, it that's leading all the way from the house down across the bridge. That's a lot of sand. Yeah, I mean, there's there. I think there's a lot of things in in this. In this movie, if you want to start getting real nitpicky yes. about like yeah. where did they get these things, how do they know how to do all of these things, right. like that's that's probably the stuff when you said the first time you watched this you weren't you liked it but you had problems with certain yeah. things. I'm I'm guessing those were kind of the things where it's just like, Oh, okay, so he's like an electrical engineer, plumber, farmer, and she's a doctor, <clears throat> teacher, like weapons specialist. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's lots of stuff you can learn on the fly. Uh, <laughs> I, I do remember, I do remember, and this time I, I did chuckle at it this time too, how she gives birth to that baby in about 45 seconds. I mean. Maybe stress does that. I don't know. Also, when you've had multiple children, each labor and delivery supposedly gets easier. Oh, yeah. You just pop them right out. I mean. Uh, yeah right isn't that how it works i think so <laughs> well i think that um for me the thing is that you know she only screams like once yes yeah that that for me is that yeah. but anyway we're kind of jumping around um so I, I i just wanted to say that like i think this is one of the most beautifully shot yeah it looks great looks really that nice. we've watched like from from the real ripe and real rotten episodes we've mm-hmm. done and then this and like you know, we've we've done a lot of Wes Craven in yeah. the last couple of months, where we've all, with our flat, friend Wes, talked about yeah how it's visually he's not aesthetically a great director. So mm-hmm. this was a breath of fresh air in regards to that. I think where it's yeah, just definitely like moody and gorgeous, and there's tons of natural beauty, and I think the the scary moments are really well done. A lot of it takes place during the day too. Mm. And we uh, on the last one we talked about how in. Wes Craven's new nightmare a lot of that takes place in the day and it doesn't really work uh this one they managed to make the daytime fairly scary yeah um it works on kind of the same mechanics of like a zombie movie um you know in terms of like you never know when they're gonna come out you know it it, usually one of them brings another one so there's like a a swarming factor involved Mm. post-apocalyptic stuff but um Mm -hmm. This has a very clear, it's, it's just a very, like you said, it's very tight. Mm-hmm. It's very um, uh, well-crafted where they give you, the first opening scene gives you an introduction to the world, yep, uh, an introduction to the monster, mm-hmm. and a, a point of trauma for the family. Yeah. And then for the next, like, 
30 minutes because the the monster doesn't doesn't show up again for like 45 minutes yeah and from that point on it's just like world building and it's really really well done world building yeah because it's a very limited and specific world right it's their farm in the in the woods immediately around it Mm -hmm. and and something i find interesting about this movie that i actually kind of sometimes go back and forth um i think i love it i worried a little bit that it was a little too neat and tidy um where in that 30 minute period of relative peace Mm -hmm. you as a viewer are introduced to literally every set piece item location like every element like everything that is going to be important in the final kind of climactic night Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. the you know the little boys sitting and playing in the truck uh he's up on top of the grain silo um the basement and and uh, the mother you know uh doing the laundry and the nail getting pulled up and you know it's just it's very uh thorough yeah and and everything is like everything that feels like Chekhov's gun, oh yes, is Chekhov's yeah. gun and is used to like its utmost. Which Chekhov's is, checklist, good point. <laughs> yeah, really, it's yeah. like his entire armory. Um, yeah, I, I think in the end I like it mm-hmm. because it, it, like we said, it's very like it's a tight movie. There's kind of no spare parts. Nothing really goes to waste. Everything feels like it has a purpose and a place. Right. Um. I do wonder if, like, I'm sure there were deleted scenes. I wonder what those deleted scenes were. Yeah. Um, if I had to guess, I'd probably say, I bet there's, I bet there's more middle of the movie stuff out there somewhere. Like, yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it, pretty much everything short of that Monopoly board that they're playing with ends up factoring into the story in some, in some way. Um, and I think part of what makes it work so well is it has a really firm grasp on the environment and i i Mm. I, it's it's something i talk about a lot on these shows that i I feel like movies really need to have a sense of what the scope of their environment is and i don't mean just like the physical environment but just like how how far does the world of the story expand you Mm -hmm. know like if you're at crystal lake and you're fighting jason yeah the cops don't show up you know because that brings too many questions and those are questions that, sure, if it was the real world, those questions would exist, but that's not what you're doing in the story. You know? Right, right. You're trying to tell a specific story. Right. And, and you need to set limits. Yeah. And I think they do that really well here. Um, kind of by the nature of the concept where there's not really a lot of people around anyway, but mm-hmm. they keep it so focused in this one location that you don't really have a lot of time to think about what's going on in like New York. You know, yeah, or like, yeah. what's the, 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 that's, I think that's another reason why I don't like the papers because the mm. papers give you a little bit too much outside information. Yeah. Like when they had, there's one of them that says like, uh, governments are toppling. They can't yeah. be shot and they can't be blown up. It's like, <laughs> right, uh, right. okay, yeah. well, d- clearly they've been trying to fight them. How come at no point they figured out that they had, they were sound you could use like a sound weapon on them. You know, it's like yeah. that kind of stuff where it's yeah. once you expand past where the limits of your story should be, you start asking how come questions. Right. And I, I try not to do that because a, a lot of people do that and I don't think it's necessarily a, a fair way to judge a story. I agree. And I, and I don't think it's a productive way right. to judge Because you could it. always do so. How it's, come they yeah. didn't run out the front door? I mean, sure, yes, you could yeah. have done that. How come they didn't run upstairs? Well, that is something you could have done. It's just not right. what they do. Right, yeah. There, there are choices made to tell a specific story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want, I'm dying to ask you, yeah. what do you think about the monster and the monster design? It's, it, the way it looks, the way it functions. Do, do you like that? Did you, are you a fan of this one or are you... I like the 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 head thing, yeah. Like that kind of opens up, and you can see the the sort of like ear, I guess. Yeah, you'd call it the sort of segmentation of those like outer plates. That yeah, that was sort cool. Of, yeah. Um, the rest of it is, I don't know, feels a little stock to me. Yeah. Um, you know, big long. It, it look, they look kind of like mini Cloverfield monsters. Yeah, they look like a mix between that and and I cannot for the life of me remember if Stranger Things was, was already out at yes, this point. Yes, I actually wrote looks, that in my notes. Yes, yeah, it, it looks, looks just like a Stranger Things yeah. monster. Yeah. yeah, I think this I think this was before Stranger Things. Okay, uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it does it does now feel like a Stranger Things type monster. Um, 
But it's got the cool head thing, which is neat. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I appreciate that they don't show it very clearly for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that first sort of very quick glimpse of it when it kills the little boy. Uh, and then you kind of get an arm that comes out of the corn and smashes a raccoon. Yep. Um, but you don't, you don't see the full thing for a while. And, and then when you do, as usual, as, as it is with these things, they're always a little less scary. Yeah. When you, you think, finally get the full effect. Do you think you, they show too much of it? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. I, I wish they dialed it back, like, especially towards the end. I, I wish they kind of, like, withheld it or at least um, put it in shadow or sort mm-hmm. of obscured it in some way. Because, honestly, I think one of the scariest sights in that movie is when um, Emily Blunt's in the basement mm. and it's filling up with water. And she wakes up and realizes... Like she has to get the baby and the things in the basement with her. And it just kind of folds in on itself and then glides under the water and is gone. Yeah. Like that was a great scene. And then the head comes up in front of the baby bassinet thing. Yeah. It's really, and and I think part of it's because yes, you're seeing the creature and its body, but you're not getting this like full unobstructed view of it. It's, it's sort of curved in on itself. It's in Mm -hmm. a dark corner it sort of just like sinks into the water. It's I thought that was really brilliant. Yeah. It it would have been it would have been interesting if they had used the segmentation of the head uh a little bit differently. Like maybe it, like it is kind of a different color, but if they kept it in the shadows, but like if mm. it opened, you could see you like I don't know. I don't know. Light isn't the right word, but like you mm. if I don't know. I I think yeah, I agree. I think they could have handled it a little bit more uh interestingly. Yeah. A lighter, um, a lighter touch on that element would have yeah. been, would have been nicer. Yeah, yeah. Um, the what was I going to say? Uh, I think the th- the thing that really makes it work is even though you know they lay everything out like you were saying, mm-hmm. um, but they really they kind of it's almost like a domino set where they really like kind of knock everything down. Yeah. Um, and that time that they spend world building in the middle is just it's like. You don't even, it's like a roller coaster where you don't realize that you've gotten to the top of the roller coaster. Yeah. Because they're giving you all this stuff and they're kind of showing you the peaceful elements, but there's not really, they're not really building a lot of tension during that time. There's the yeah. one scene where they, they knock over the, the, the lamp and stuff, but they are being fairly subtle about how they're putting you into position for the final, the big drop. I agree. Yeah. And I think the execution is, is really well done. Like every, I mean, every, just, just seeing the fact that she's pregnant, like mm-hmm. everybody goes, oh, yeah, because you know what that can, you know what that means. <laughs> yes, someone's going to be screaming, possibly more than one person. Yes, eventually, it's not yeah. like she's not going to have that baby in this movie. Well, and that's that's an interesting. That's something else I wanted to bring up because it plays to our, you know, absolute favorite element of these movies, which is questionable parenting. Mm-hmm. We might, maybe, we should have rephrased this one to questionable parenthood. Yes. Like, yeah. why are you having the sort of sex that results in pregnancy in this world? Well, you know, stuff happens. Uh, I mean, yeah, but it didn't yeah, have to. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, but? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Uh, stop it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess if you're, if you're there, you're there. Like, you got you. Yeah, you, you would gotta move you would forward, think, but you think it maybe would have taken pretty high on the list of <laughs> precautions <laughs> yeah. to take. Yeah, and and it's I guess it's it's just surprising to me how happy about it they are. Yeah, like like she's sewing little little toys and things for the baby mobile that is gonna hang over the baby box. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, it, it does allow for fun stuff like that, like the, the baby the, box, the mobile that's made out of the squishy things, and yeah. Yeah, the weird, like, anti-noise coffin that yeah. they build for it. Like, that kid, it, it, that that baby, when it grows up, is going to have so many issues. Oh, yeah. Because they talk all the time about how infants need, like, physical touch mm-hmm. and contact and all of this stuff. And it's like, that baby is going to live in a box until it's, like, two. Oh, yeah. No, most of the, the time. tiny that, little oxygen mask. It's going to spend, yeah. And I hope they have a lot of those oxygen tanks. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think these people are just dumb. Because, like, <laughs> earlier on in the movie, the first time, uh, it's after, the, no, it's after the baby's born. They rush the baby down into the, the area so they can put the put him in the box. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim 
<laughs> Turn, lights Lee. a, His lights name is a Lee lighter. In this one. Is it Lee? Yeah. He lights a lighter and then immediately turns on an oxygen tank. And I was like, dude, you're going to blow yourself up. Yeah. Uh, and not to mention the fact that he rushes her and the baby into the basement, covers the thing, and she's like, where's the kids? And he's like, I don't know. They're outside. They're probably fine. <laughs> they know what they know what to do. Well, and then, they, you know, they're down there and they're saying, oh, it worked. Yeah. Our soundproofing worked, which is like, all right, take the baby out of the box. Yes. <laughs> Didn't work that I th- well. I think that's my, my nitpicky thing about this movie is, is, is just the the sort of you know the breakdown at that point where it's like you've set up these very stringent rules Mm -hmm. about how even the smallest amount of sound is going to bring doom and death upon you and then it's i don't want to say they abandon it but at that point they definitely loosen those rules a little bit and you know uh we were talking about that last night we were watching it it's it's movies that do this and they do the the same thing in the other movie we were watching Mm -hmm. uh hush where it's like you kind of rely on your audience to get to the point where if the movie is going well you can loosen up some of those rules yeah. a little bit and no one will no one will really care because it's it's just going and they're along for the ride yeah so you don't have time or or the inclination to think about the consequences of a oxygen-filled baby box or, or whatever <laughs> You're just like, oh, no, that's where the baby is. The monster is going to get the baby. Right, right. You're so in- engrossed in, like, the tension and, and the action. Yeah, and I'm definitely, like, I'm searching for things to kind of criticize about this yeah. movie because I, I really love this movie. Yeah. I actually think it is a, a really, really well done movie. Like, the thing I was thinking towards the end was, based on, theoretically, based on the way that the monsters work with the sound and stuff and you can't make a noise, mm-hmm. any time a monster attacks, you would think would bring more monsters. Yeah. But yeah, there's really only noises. one at a time. So like at the end when he's in the house and he's like smashing everything yeah. in the house. Yeah, you think a bunch of other monsters would show up yeah. and be like, hi. Yeah. But, you party? know, at that point, you got to end your movie. So right. more than one of those things. One is tough enough. Yeah. More yeah. than one is impossible. Yeah. Um, are you like me really happy that they didn't beat the beat the monster with a song yes i was i i think the first time i saw it i was i was kind of thinking like they're gonna play like that song she's listening to on her headphones with with when they're dancing in the basement neil young blows (laughs) up the monsters or i was thinking like they're gonna play (laughs) heat of the moment by asia or something and all the monsters are gonna explode that would be the 80s version of this movie like like if this movie had come out yeah, it's then like, it been. you know, I, I'm surprised if they hadn't gone with the person who was deaf, I guarantee mm. you would have been like, one of the kids has a Walkman that he uh, loves. Yeah, yeah. And then like, acts, <laughs> decides to plug the Walkman into the PA speakers. And right. Like, oh right. no, Manowar. And then oh, everybody God. blows up. <laughs> Manowar. Oh uh, God. I think they, I think they do a good job of, of doing the, uh, I think it takes the girl a little bit too long to figure out that, that I, what's going on. But. You know, I, I, I. I agreed with that at first, and then when I rewatched it this time, I realized that the first couple times it happens, or the, at least the first time it happens, she doesn't even realize one of the monsters is nearby. Right. right. So I kind of give her a pass on that one. She yeah. thinks it's just my dad's shitty craft craftsmanship, mm-hmm. like hurting my head. Right. Um. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll I'll give that one. I'll give that one a pass. Yeah. Um. Do you have a favorite scene? Because um, I very much do. <sighs> I I think that first, the first, uh, or I should say the 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 attack scene that sets everything off is really great. Where mm-hmm. she steps on the nail mm. uh, up through Oof. the point, up through the point where she, you know, is finally screams. Yeah, like that. I mean, it's just like a perfect story. It's a really well set up um, uh, pile of shit to deal yeah. with in this situation <laughs> yeah. where it's yeah. like she steps on this thing. Uh, she's her water breaks. She's in labor, trying not to scream. Yep. She's trying to find a place to hide. You know, yep. it's just a, it's just a really well done. Uh, you know, she's all by herself. There's nobody to mm-hmm. help her. I thought that was really well done. I also did really like the um, the water filling up in the basement scene. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, as somebody who has recently like broken a toe, <laughs> her stepping on that nail, I oh, was just geez. like, oh and she goes, god. All the way in. Too, oh yeah, you know? all the way. It's like you you think like way. once that hits, you kind of like react. you jerk away. Nope. nope, full weight. Nope, boom. Because she, I think she's just so frantic. It's like gotta go. The and... monster doesn't get her tetanus. Will yeah. Ooh. Um. 
So my favorite scene is is kind of one of the ones that's outside of the main action. Uh, it's mm-hmm. when John Krasinski and the son are walking through the woods. Oh, yeah. And they come across the old man. Yeah, that's good. That scene is so good. Like, I just think it's such a great, like, that scene, even in a different horror movie, would work so well. Yeah. Because, like, you're kind of, you know, the camera's focused on the sun. And as he's walking, you just, if I remember correctly, there's not really a music cue to it, even. You just see the old man, like, out of focus Mm -hmm. just as he's walking past. And he bumps into the dad's backpack. Yeah. And it's just, like, the whole setup from from that moment to the end, I think it's just, like, really, really well done. And I think it's a really interesting scene thematically because it foreshadows lee's right suicide Mm -hmm. um and shows the different you know it it sets it up that that's something you can do when you're desperate um that it is this sort of like kamikaze option right um but i think him turning it into an act you know a fine of like i guess the old man kind of does it's kind of an act of love from him too yeah it's like like in this really horrible world it's a way of like showing your devotion to somebody klingons would do very poorly in this world because every time a klingon <laughs> dies they do a klingon death yell oh so they would they would all die very fast oh okay yeah well that was an interesting uh bit of crossover trivia i never would have thought of well you know that's what i'm here for <laughs> um yeah uh speaking of the music i think that the uh, I actually wasn't paying attention to the music too much, mm. and I, I should have because I like to talk about it, <laughs> but I, I think that that means that they were using it in a very good manner because a lot of times yeah. in these movies, the music does a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about that before. I'm trying to remember. There was definitely one we spoke about where it was like the music did a ton of work. Yeah. And, and it also, like, if you've got something like Halloween or something that has a really identifiable score that's doing a lot of work for you. Like, I, mm. I, I, Halloween is fine. Yeah. I think the music in Halloween does, like, 90% of the work for that movie. Yeah. P- personally. Um, but uh, the music, you can, it can be used in a much more negative or lazy way. Yeah, I think lazy is the, is the problem that people really have. Yeah, where it's like, that's when you've got these big scare chords for all your jump scares, and yep. the music is telling you how to feel, mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind of lazy storytelling. Um, this one, they kind of dial back on it and, and play more into the silence of the situation, and yeah. I, think, I think it works really well. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and then speaking of the silence, so when we started talking about this, I mentioned that I've seen this in the theater and then at home. Mm. Oh, I did want to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So seeing it in the theater was, at least in, in my opinion, awesome because seeing a movie like this on the big screen and having the like movie theater speakers when there is sound yep. um, really, really adds to it. And the, the day I went to see it, I, we must have, I don't know if it was just we got a really good crowd or something, but you, in terms of the, the, the noises from the people around you, you could have heard a pin drop. Yeah. That whole movie, like everyone was riveted. Like nobody was like shifting around in their seat. Nobody's like crinkling their popcorn bag. Like everyone was making a concentrated effort to, to, to stay quiet in the quiet moments. The problem with it was, is that there are other movies going on in right. the theaters yes. next to you. Yeah. So you've got like the Avengers like booming through the wall and it's this very quiet, tense moment. It's just like, oh, come on. Yeah. I remember at the time when I did go to see it, I, I was getting over a cough at the time. Oh, no. I had already bought my tickets and I was like, I just need to be able to hang on because I'm not. So I was like, I was there kind of going. And then as soon as something happened, I was like, blah, blah. Uh, but I, yeah, I felt the same way. Usually I get popcorn when I go to the movies and I, I either didn't or I ate it incredibly slowly. Yeah. I was yeah, like one kernel sure, at a time. Like I'm playing operation trying not to touch the bag when I reach in. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think this, I think seeing it in the theater and seeing it at home allowed me to kind of, uh, experience it in two different ways i think i think viscerally it works a lot better in the theater 
because you know you're 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 at home. This, like you're saying, the sound design of it doesn't work quite as well. Yeah, unless unless you're one of those people who has like a crazy awesome surround yeah. sound system set up. And even so, it's like you know you got lights on in another room, and you know if you're like me, you got a dog who's bothering you, <laughs> jangling his chain around yeah, and stuff, making the most pausing it, face possible, you know, taking you. bathroom breaks and stuff, and yeah, snack breaks or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, like, from a visceral experience standpoint, I think it probably benefits much more from the theater. But what I liked more about it this time is it allowed me to kind of look at it a little bit more structurally. Yeah. And just see how they kind of execute everything. And Mm -hmm. this movie has one thing it has to do, and it does it really well. What's that one thing? It's just they have to, the the concept of everybody has to be quiet because the Mm -hmm. sound brings monsters. Yes. It's the only thing they have to do. They build the whole world around that concept. And for the most part, I think they they pull it off pretty well. Yeah, I think think it succeeds. I really do. Um, Have you ever seen The Purge? No. The Purge Purge (laughs) is a good example of, of a movie like that where it's, it's, it's the the scope is very small. It's it's mm-hmm. a, a big idea where the more you think about it, the more you're trying to extrapolate it out and be like, well, this okay, the purge is, is you murder people, then what happens ever you know? But that's not the right. point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, yeah. It's focused on one house, and they they do a pretty good job in that movie of of keeping you in this isolated location and just sort of like leaning into the concept. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that made me think of it, but. No, no, no. I, th- I think it's definitely a similar, I think it's a similar idea Is where it? it's like you have to set those boundaries for your world, like we were saying right. earlier, and, and then just really stay within them. Yeah. There's a, there was a lot of movies like this that came out in a short period of time too. Yeah. I feel like this was very much a, I don't know if, I think, I want to say this one kind of kicked off that trend um, around that, that, when did this come out? 20, 2018. 2018. Yeah, not I, I, not as long ago as I thought. No, me either. Yeah. I was really going to say 2016. That's what I was thinking too. Oh man, time is weird. Um, did you ever watch Bird Box? No, I, <sighs> I it was I was kind of interested in it, and then I it it I feel like people were making fun of it more than they were talking about it. So. Yeah, well, well, I think the internet got stupid about doing the uh, Bird Box challenge, where people were putting on blindfolds and trying to make their way around. Sure. Uh, blindfolded because the internet is dumb. Yeah. Um, you know. Thanks for listening to this on the <laughs> internet, by the way. Yeah, we love you guys. Um, I think not to get too off topic, but I, I I hesitated to watch Bird Box because I felt like it was very derivative of this movie. Sure. Um, and I, I don't know how true that is. If it was, you know, maybe some sort of crazy coincidence, um, like a, uh, deep impact Armageddon situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not as, as bad as people made it sound, mm-hmm. but it's not as good as this. Yeah. Like, I, I, and again, I think it, it's a testament to just the, how well crafted this movie is. Like, that's the word that this movie keeps making me think of. Yeah. That it's very intentional. And very like crafted, very specifically. Like there are specific choices and specific set pieces and specific things, and everything is there for a reason. Yeah, um, and I believe it's is I think it's John Krasinski's first movie he directed. Yeah, is that true? Yeah, this is when we went from from Jim Halpert to all of a sudden like weirdly attractive buff John hey man, Krasinski. That's what a beard will do for you. I guess so. Um, great first movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I, it's. I, I'm finding it interesting how uh, these people who are known primarily for comedy end up breaking out through horror. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a, that, you know, that's a good point. Him and Jordan yeah. Peele yeah. and uh, uh, there's there's a, a couple other guys who have. Oh, Danny McBride hmm. wrote Halloween, the most last Halloween movie. Did he really? Yeah, and the guy who directed it is the guy who directs all Danny McBride stuff. Um, so clear, I mean, clearly those guys all like that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's a lot more secret, like horror sci-fi nerds in Hollywood than uh, like Christian Bale. Oh, I God, think Christian yeah. Bale is a secret sci-fi nerd. Oh, I'm sure. If you look at his filmography, he's been in a lot of weird sci-fi movies. Yeah. No, he's a weird dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this one came out, that movie Hush that we watched was, mm. I think maybe like 2015 or so. Okay. Um, there's a great movie that came out around the same time as this one called Don't Breathe, which oh. is 
kind of like a quiet place, except uh, it's about five robbers who try to break into this guy's house and steal shit. But he's blind. Oh. But he's also like a retired Marine. He's oh, essentially like blind yeah, yeah, Rambo. Yeah, yeah and, and isn't he like super powered hearing so he can like. Yeah, he's not quite Daredevil, but right, he's, okay. it's, he's, yeah. it's, you know, he's. It's one of those movies where they yeah. have to be quiet. See, that's uh. that was that's the thing that I found interesting about when you take these, you know, sens- sensory deprivation movies. Mm-hmm. I feel like the blind ones <laughs> tend to work a little better because the audience is kind of in on it a little bit, where it's yeah. like they the, there's one person who can't see anything. Yeah, there's one person who's trying to avoid being seen, mm-hmm. but. The audience can see everything, and it well, it puts yeah, it puts the audience in a position of power, which right. it, which is like in a storytelling sense, it it, it makes you feel feel invested yeah. as an audience person. And I think there's a little bit more um, control's not the word. Uh, I think there's a little, it's a little bit easier to grasp onto what is or isn't going to cross the line of, mm-hmm. oh, he sees you, oh, he doesn't. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you get into stuff like sound, yeah, if it's a sound activated monster or whatever, you're <laughs> thinking like, well, how much sound? Does walking on leaves do it? Mm. Does if you jangle your bag too loud do it? Do it? If, mm. you know, does this sound do it? Does that, how, what's the threshold here? But if it's something that is more visual, which is like, obviously if you make a sound that person's going to hear you know it's one of those things where it's it feels like it's a little bit easier to un- understand what the stakes right, are right right well cuz you either can see something or you can't right that's that's really it Fundament- right. fundamentally those are your options there's right. there's not a lot of of levels in between in these tor- sorts of movies at mm-hmm. least um yeah whereas the the like auditory issues open up a lot more like yeah because like i said i i i myself am very <laughs> very hard of hearing um i didn't know that actually yeah a lot of people don't um if you ever notice that i try to keep everybody on my left Mm. it's because my left ear is my good ear um i actually have a really dumb story when my husband and i started dating uh he trying to be a gentleman would always try to walk on the street side of the sidewalk Mm -hmm. uh and me being a belligerent deaf person uh, would just switch on him like i would just cross over behind him Mm -hmm. and then he would do the same thing to me so for the first like four weeks we were dating, we just circled each other on the sidewalk constantly. Like dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Until I finally just said to him, look, I have, I have partial hearing in my right ear. If you want to talk to me while we're together, you need to be on my left. And he, he was like, well, that explains everything. Yeah. That's really funny. Um, but, but yeah. But so this is, this is kind of a perfect illustration of what I was going to get at before I went on this awful tangent. Um, that's what my shows are. It's just awful, awful tangents. tangents. Yeah. Awful tangents with Clay and Amanda. Um, I can you move to the Batman show. We talked yeah. about the episode for like five minutes. I love it. I love it. Um, I can move through the world and mm-hmm. nobody knows that I am hearing impaired. Sure. And so, yeah, it kind of goes to that. At what level are you at? Like, how much can you hear? How much can you not hear? How much? sound triggers this monster like where is the threshold where is the line so Mm -hmm. i i I get it why why with these sort of you know sensory impairment movies why why the visual ones are like easier to just sort of dive right into yeah yeah i'm uh i'm wondering if they're gonna round everything out and it's gonna be like okay so get this there's a guy he can't feel anything Hey, his look, friend can't look, taste anything. If you're talking emotionally, that's what most movies are about. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've already done that. We've yeah. been there and we've done most that. Most romantic comedies are about yeah. someone who There's can't feel. There's this guy feel. and he can't feel anything. Um, there is actually, uh, again, an, um, well, I guess, no, he's a horror guy. But I was going to say, uh, there is coming out next year a mm-hmm. new version of The Invisible Man Oh, by one of the guys who, who created Saw. Oh, and he's done. He's also he's also I think he's involved with um, a conjuring too. Oh, so okay. he's one of those guys. All right, uh, like it looks pretty guys. cool. Yeah. yeah, it 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 looks like again. It looks like they kind of have one thing they have to execute, and it looks like they're going to execute as many versions of that thing as they can. <laughs> um. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Uh I I don't I don't know. Um. I oh I do know. Because we're wrapping it up. Mm. How do you feel about the ending? Um, the direct ending where they defeat the monster? 
Yes, like that whole that whole kind of sequence after. Well, well, let me start with. I think John Krasinski's death is very well done. Mm-hmm. I think it's very. I don't know if I want to say earned is the right word, but but I under like I think narratively they set it up well mm-hmm. that this is the only way to save sure. the kids. Yeah. Like I I I think it's not just like and then he threw his life away. Like I I think it's very purposeful. If only he was a ventriloquist. And he would still be he alive could have today. thrown his voice um but i I liked that, and then after that, how do you feel about kind of the remainder that last like ten minutes of the of the film where the kids get back into the house yeah. and it's fine you know i it's yeah it has a nice emotional payoff because the 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 girl gets to see um i don't i don't i don't know how getting to see his workbench proves that he loved her more than the fact that he was constantly trying to fix her ear thing you know mm. she goes down she sees his thing and she's like oh my god all of these pieces he's been working a very long time on this well um, i think it's i think it's a visual representation of how much he worked on it sure like because you know he was just going down there all the time and she never got to go down there and she didn't know point. what the yeah. hell he was doing yeah, he could have tinkered let... with it for five minutes every every other day why wouldn't he let her down there that was another weird thing where he was keeping her i don't know if i so, so I don't, I don't yeah. mean to sidetrack. No, no, let's, let's let's sidetrack. I wonder Remember, if awful tangents with Clay and Amanda. I wonder if part of the reason, um, you know, you're saying you didn't know why he doesn't take her with him on that thing. I wonder if that, and also the fact that he wouldn't let her in the basement, was specifically to set up this idea that he's keeping her at arm's length. Yeah. Um, which would play into her feeling about how she thinks that he doesn't love her. Yeah. But it, I, I don't know. I, I didn't. It, I didn't feel like when she got down there, there was any revelation as to why she couldn't go down there. I she would kind of think there would be, but. So I actually, I will credit you with when I brought up, why didn't he take her out on the expedition to the waterfall? And, and you said, well, you know, he brought the sun because the sun can hear and can hear the waterfall and, and will now understand this concept. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there isn't something along those lines for not letting her in the basement too, because it's full of audio visual equipment. Mm-hmm. And maybe because she can't hear, he was concerned that there was a chance she could accidentally switch oh, something sure. on. You know, there could be some sort of feedback thing with her implant and and the equipment that's around. Good point. Yeah. And he and she wouldn't even notice it because she can't. She can't hear. So yeah. maybe it was something like that I'd again. That. But again, it's kind of frustrating that you know, in a movie that is so tight and so intentional, and everything is set up so well. Mm. It is a little like the those points are a little frustrating to me where it does make it feel as though it's purely just so she can have this um, poignant, you know, emotional moment yeah. where after he's already died, she realizes like the depth of his love for her. Yeah. Generally, I wouldn't really care what the answer was. Yeah. <laughs> except except that they lean into it a little bit. Well, yeah. And this movie doesn't give you a lot else to sort of nitpick, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I I like how sparse it is. I like yeah. that they don't tell you about really tell you anything about the family. They don't Same. really tell you anything about the the monsters. Yep, they don't even tell you where it takes place. I don't. Yeah, think. I, I, unless there's a hint in one of those many many newspapers. Yeah. Yes, there might be. It might um, say like Chicago Sun Times. Yeah, <laughs> the West Virginia Examiner or yeah. whatever. It would be great if he just had like it was like a Springfield situation where he <laughs> he had like a map of the the four. The four states that all touch his state, and it's yeah. like Colorado, Maine, yeah. Texas, and Kansas, or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's one thing where it's like if that's if that's a character beat you're leaning into, you yeah. feel like there should be some payoff to it. But yeah, um, yeah. As for the ending, ending, yeah. I mean, I I feel like they probably did it the best way they could given yeah. like, you got to get out of the movie at that point and uh <laughs> you got to kill you have to kill one of the monsters yes uh they pay off the ear thing it's a little bit of a uh emotional payoff um thankfully they don't use a pop song to do it yeah and thankfully Seriously. they don't do a thing where it's like if she touches the ground she can feel when they're coming she, Ooh. You know, thankfully they didn't do that um, <laughs> where she became becomes an x-man yeah basically yeah. uh yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about it? I I agree. I think I think it's like you said. You've got to get out of, out of the movie somehow, mm-hmm. and that's a perfectly serviceable way to do it. Um, 
I don't know, but there's some there's something about it that just feels a little lackluster to me. Yeah. What would you have I remembered it as her her implant causing their heads to explode? Oh wow, I don't I did not remember it as that. Yeah. Well, cuz I <laughs> I remembered it that way cuz I was like, well, I guess that w- that would make more sense than just the mother shoots it. Yeah. Cuz uh, what the way it the way it plays out is it's freaking out and she shoots it, blows its head off. Yeah. And then they see more of them coming down in the video and she's yes. like, Ch-ch-ch, "Lock and load." I right. would be, see, I think if they that's had, what bothers yeah, me. If they had cut to her being like, "Oh fuck." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I I think for a movie that's so rooted in in a version of reality yeah um because like what are they gonna do one at a time bring them down there and like hold on listen to this and then i'm gonna shoot you yeah uh, and like how many bullets do they have right like maybe maybe they also have a fucking stockpile of that the way they seem to have a stockpile of everything else right yes um i believe it but it maybe would have helped to have shown that at some point yeah yeah. that like here here is our gun closet kids um but yeah I, i think that's sort of what bothers me about the the ending is that it positions Emily Blunt as this like she's gonna be like Rambo mom, which I'm not against. Yeah, like I'm I'm kind of there for it in concept. I just don't think I'm there for it at the end of this movie when like she gave birth like four hours ago. Right. Yeah. Like she should be limping around. Yeah. I you know that's one of those things. I tend to give that stuff a pass a little bit because like there <laughs> she just it, shot herself up with some yeah have like you, have you seen pain meds. Prometheus. Like, yes. <laughs> one of the big things that everybody yelled at that movie for is the scene where she cuts the alien baby out of herself and oh, then she fuck. gets stitched up and then she's out running around Jesus again Christ. it's like yeah of course she is but it's also, not like she's gonna st- sit in the corner for the rest of the movie but she's also, gotta keep moving that is like future science space technology yeah and that this, scene was awesome is, you know it, it, i agree i am not arguing that the scene was awesome but I think stop that arguing with me. You stop arguing with me. I will get Wes back on this show. <laughs> so that we can both yell at him yeah, instead so, of each other. <laughs> so we, we can watch a movie and he can say, I didn't really like it. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really like this. Um, no, but, but I, I think that's kind of a false equivalency when you're talking about like woman in spaceship with advanced technology sure, yeah. versus woman in farmhouse yeah. like where society has collapsed. Right, like yeah. the fact that we don't even see her saying... All right, I got to take a bunch of these pills because they're going to dull the pain. I'm going to take a bunch of these pills because they're going to help prevent infection. Arguably, the fact that she survives the childbirth is even in question. Uh, Yes, women used to. I mean, unfortunately, women still do die all the time in childbirth. But like, yeah, not sanitary conditions. And there was a lot of blood. Yeah. Um. So I think maybe maybe that's the the sort of like now she is action woman. Um bugs me a little bit at the end yeah you know i don't i don't know like i get what they're doing at the end where it's like okay Mm -hmm. finally finally we have a way to defeat them it was sort of indirectly a result of the dad's experiments and stuff yeah you know yeah he saved us all in the end yeah it's his final gift or whatever they have a way to defeat it or whatever but but like that's when you start extrapolating it out being like yeah well, there's like five of them running at the house how powerful is this thing are they going to come one at a time into the basement are they all going to be affected at the same frequency if they all come into the basement how many mm. bullets do they have you know it's yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it it opens up this kind of can of worms in terms yeah. in terms of questions um i also think it would have been kind of cool if the daughter had shot it sure yeah because, I mean, also... the other She doesn't really do much else, yeah. I mean, yeah, and it kind of sucks, because I know you were like, oh, that scene, made, like, earlier on we were talking, you were like, that scene made me hate that daughter, and I actually think she's great. Yeah. Like, I think she's a great character. Um, I think the actress does a phenomenal job of that, like, that right... She hits that edge of, like, being, like, a preteen or young teenager who is going to fundamentally feel like an outsider no sure. matter what. Yeah, that's a good point. And then you add in the fact that she's the only uh, deaf one. Yeah. Um and so she is just naturally limited and more vulnerable in this world where like being able to hear the approach of these things or hear any sound you make mm-hmm. is so important. She is at a disadvantage from everybody else. Yeah. And then you add to that like her dad's treating her like she's incapable, her mom is just sort of, you know, being like, "Oh, honey, it's okay." Yeah. Um like it's the right amount of teen girl angst in my opinion where you add that to her obvious guilt about her younger brother 
And right. I, you know, I like it. I, I think she's a complicated character I, and I like it. I think, I think that's, I agree with you. I think that's a little bit of what I'm missing from her though, is I, you know, when I, when I said that mm-hmm. it seems like the, the person who can't hear is going to be the loud, is, has potentially to be a louder. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was a couple scenes where they did something like that, where she makes a noise that she doesn't realize she's making. Yeah. And so they're like, stu- you know, like they jump at her. And so that's like I pushing mean, even, her even you're, further back. You're right. You're right. That's a really good point. I feel like that Monopoly scene is sort of a lost opportunity for that. Yeah. Where they kind of make it look like, again, like it's both the kids who knock over the lantern. Yeah. Like what if it had just been her? Yeah. Or like if she goes to get something and turns yep. and bumps something and something falls off she doesn't realize yep. it's happening i mean she yeah, she's totally the one who, innocent she's the one who saves the thing from dropping at the very beginning mm-hmm. um but at, by the same token i'm glad that they don't give her like a superpower yeah you know i i'm glad that they make her it's, it'd be very easy to make her loss of hearing give her an advantage on the monsters yeah which it doesn't right um right it, it does it does only through the result of like her dad accidentally right you know putting together these different attempts at at making her implant work again yeah um but yeah i i think it handles her really well in terms of having like a main character that is that is um like disabled yeah um or differently abled however you want to say it Mm -hmm. um i think it handles her really well like she's very normal she's a normal teenage girl she's very human she does some stuff right. She does some stuff very wrong. She can be kind of a jerk, but she shows up and helps when it matters. Like, I, I think they handle her well. Yeah. I bet uh, you were talking about uh, deleted scenes. I hope there's mm. one where uh, Jim, she does something and Jim I like pulls how her you aside. insist on calling him Jim. It's, you know, a, a point of connection <laughs> that I have where it, uh, she does something and then Jim through sign language just says like, could you just, could you just stop yeah can you think about the situation that we're in right now i know you're a teenager but yeah. for just yeah. a second there are sound monsters trying right. to kill us give it a rest young okay? lady go to your room yeah in sign language um but yeah i i uh i think i think maybe if instead of the cocking the shotgun let's you know get rid yeah. of the rumble at the end if there was if it allowed them to escape somehow, yeah, or like there was a, a an escape hatch in the floor that yeah. like sent them down and you know something like that, where it 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 it, it gives them a way to fight them mm-hmm. and allows them to survive, right? But so doesn't can... necessarily put them in the situation where it's like the next movie the girl's going to show up with like an X Men <laughs> helmet on. And she's going, <laughs> <laughs> Although I'd be down for yeah. that too. Why it's not? just a different movie. It's a very different. Very different movie. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's. I'm actually really glad we talked to talk this out because I think that is what hits me wrong yeah. about the ending, where it is this like, you know, not that I'm expecting Emily Blunt's character to like collapse to the floor and and just sob. She seems like pretty tough, um, overall based on what you see of her throughout the whole movie. But yeah, it's it's just that sort of almost stereotypical action hero ending sure yeah. where it's like yeah you're like let's get ready to rock kind yeah. of thing and it's just like no she's all out of gum yeah <laughs> um yeah i th- i think that's probably gonna do it for this one uh yeah. do you this this is number four on the list mm. how do you feel about that 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 rating i mean it's tough because there's 200 it's not like it's a list of 10 movies yeah you know? it's 200 movies yeah do you think this could be higher, could be lower, or do you think this could is about where it should be? Uh, by higher, you mean closer to number one? Yes. Okay, just making sure I have the scale in the right direction. Um, as much as I love this movie, I think it could be a little lower. I, I, yeah. I honestly think I would still keep it top 15. Really? Yeah, huh. I really do. I, I really, really do. I think it combines a lot of elements in a fairly uh, original way, mm-hmm. as much as we were just talking about all these other movies that sort of have a, a similar conceit. Um, I do think that it's just so well done. And mm. I think the acting in it is great. I, I, I think the world building is excellent. I think it's, yeah, I, it's just an all around great movie to me, but I don't know if I would put it at number four. Yeah. I think it's way too high. <laughs> um, um, just in terms of like, you know, 
if we're talking horror movies, there are certain classics that just by by their very impact on sort of the zeitgeist and the genre in general. Yeah, I mean, The Shining have... was 101. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. I forgot how high that or how low on the list that one was. Yeah, I, I think out of 200, I would probably put this somewhere in the middle, I think. Like okay. around like 100. So like, you would kind of swap this in The Shining. I, absolutely. <laughs> if I had to do a one for one swap, I wouldn't hesitate. Yeah, yeah, right yes, away. Absolutely. So who would you recommend this to? Um, uh, p- people looking to debating whether or not to start a family, I guess. <laughs> Prospective parents. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Um, I think I would, I would, I would recommend this movie to people who like, uh, post-apocalyptic. Sure. Like that, that whole genre books, film, whatever. Um, I would recommend this movie to people who are really into John Krasinski because mm-hmm. this is like peak. Like if you want to stare at him, this keeps is his shirt on. Though. Yeah, but I mean, doesn't need to take it. I don't know. I he got pretty <laughs> buff for that Michael Bay movie he did. So I did not. Well I up. did not watch. I categorically do not watch Michael Bay movies. Ooh. So let's fight. Welcome to the Rock, Amanda. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, I, I would definitely recommend this, though. Um, I think it's good. I think it's oh, it's a tough one because it's like, I, I feel like I, w- I would absolutely recommend it, but I feel like you need to be in the right atmosphere to, for it to really work, mm, you know, fair. to get the full experience. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you can, if, if this is at like a second run theater or something or mm-hmm. like a repertory theater or, you know, if you've got a particularly big TV in a particularly quiet room. Uh, yeah definitely it's a good one and it's and it's a, like we said it's a fairly short one it's 90 minutes yeah get in and out yeah that magic number for a horror movie <laughs> so uh yeah um next time uh so every five movies we're gonna take a, a trip away from the list mm-hmm. um just to mix it up a little bit because you know there's a lot of movies on the list that i do want to talk about and that you want to mm-hmm. talk about a lot of movies that are not on the list that i think we would both like to talk about mm-hmm. um so the first detour we're going to take is uh we're going to watch a movie called starry eyes starry eyes yes which it's been on netflix for like eight years huh. uh it's it's very cool it's very um you like rosemary's baby yes and you'll probably like starry eyes uh-huh. it's a little bit more bloody than that, but. so uh yeah so thanks for listening everyone uh we'll see you next time with starry eyes thanks guys